Hello and welcome to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. I'm your host, Nick Galetti, and with me on this episode is our guest, Zach Cordell, otherwise known online and at his own podcast as the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist. He is coming with us on this episode to share some great tips on how to stay fit and healthy while you're on your mission. And we also talk about the different ways that our faith interacts with our bodies, with our nutritional choices. Zach also has a book out called The Creation Code, God's Blueprint for Creating the Future You Want. A link to that book will be in the show notes for this posting at LDSMissionCast.com. So stay tuned now for my interview with the Latter-day Saint nutritionist, Zach Cordell. Our very special guest on this episode is Zach Cordell, who is a dietitian who's the podcast host for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist Podcast, and he is here to talk with us about not only his missionary service, but some wonderfully needed tips for health and nutrition for missionaries, and it's even more important because we're getting into the holiday season, which is, what was that like the worst time of year for nutrition is during the holidays? Um, yeah, so the joke is that like that's the most you're going to weigh all year. Okay. Well, that's good because I'm heavy, at least right now. Well, the, the problem is, right, is that you have the holidays and then you're like, okay, so I got my Halloween candy. I got my Thanksgiving binge eating fest. And then I have my Christmas cookies and cakes and all that good stuff. Oh, and yeah. then New Year's comes. And once the New Year's comes, you have your resolution to get back to your pre-holiday weight. Right. I should probably actually clarify, and I didn't mention this in your intro, but you're coming to us via Skype, and where are you living right now? I'm in Ormond Beach, Florida, so just north of Daytona, where I teach as a professor. Awesome. And you have your master's degree in nutrition? Is that... Yes. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if there was some other way that it was said, like... Yeah, so my undergrad's in human nutrition and dietetics, and my master's is in community nutrition, but it's, it's all nutrition. Gotcha. No, but see, that's important, right? That's... That's what you pay for the degree for, to sound all you know flowery and, and special. That is the truth, right? <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, let's talk about your mission, because uh, you did serve a mission, and uh, you, you served it here in the United States. And uh, so tell us, where did you serve, and how long ago was that? So Nick, I'm, I'm sad to say that I, I served in the only true mission. <laughs> it was uh, the Oklahoma-Tulsa mission, the OTM so OTM. In my mission, it was known as the only true mission. Gotcha. That's obviously not true, but, uh, you know. Well, we've had a few my, other people say own. that, but they don't use the same acronym. So yours is more true then. <laughs> but unfortunately, it no longer exists. It's the Bentonville, Arkansas mission. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely don't want to keep that title. Yeah. So um, the Walmart so mission. Oklahoma. Yeah, basically. And Bentonville is Little Provo is what they call it. Really? Um, yeah. So there's a lot of members in Bentonville, Arkansas. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, there's a lot of members that work for Walmart, actually. Okay. Well, there, there yeah. you go. Very I cool. actually, I never got to serve there, um, but I I went to Zone Conference in Bentonville and all that good stuff. Okay. But I was there from 06 to 09, which if you can do math, it doesn't wow. add up to no, two years. It does not. Um, so I was out for 17 months and had a seizure and came home because they thought I was epileptic. 
uh, th- I got tested and they're like, yeah, you're not epileptic. So I went back out after 11 months and uh, finished it up, came home with my mission president, which I went out a transfer after him. So that was kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah. So it was a, it's an interesting little story. Yeah. Tell us. Um, yeah. So I, <laughs> we were at a member's house eating dinner and they had one of those old timey, like box TVs with the wooden frame around oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love those. And and on that TV they had the Mormon Tabernacle Choir at the time. It was Mormon Tabernacle Choir, so I can say <laughs> that. Um they were it was their Christmas special or something was going on. And so they had it on, but whenever I was watching it, it looked like one of the 3D TVs, but I wasn't wearing glasses. You know where you can see oh, like yeah, the different layers of coloring. Yeah, like double vision almost. Yeah, and so that was going on. Um, and all of our appointments after dinner had canceled and the, the members asked us, well, what time do you guys need to leave so that you can get to your next appointments? And (laughs) my companion was like, actually we, and I cut him off. I was like, we actually have to get going in about five minutes. And he knowing me didn't say anything. We got in the car and he gave me a blessing and the whole way to the hospital, I was just like shaking. Don't really know what was going on, but I was conscious the whole time. Get to the hospital. They diagnosed me with epilepsy, went to do a whole bunch of medical testing, like had doctor's appointments where they hooked me up to wires and all that stuff. And members drove us. And the first presidency said, well, if that's the medication you're taking, you need to go home and get it figured out. So I went home and uh, my mission president had told me that I served a faithful full-time mission, didn't need to come back. So I didn't even think about it for 10 months. And I was like, all right, went back to school, was dating people, like ready to move on with life. And then month 10 came and uh, was like, all right, got to go back. So that's weird. It was really weird. And they just were cool with it. Oh yeah. So this is the weird part. I don't know how this happened, but like, honestly, this is what occurred. I told my stake president that I was going to go back and he said, okay, what mission do you want to go to? Wow. And I was like, I don't think that I have a choice. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. then, and then I was like, and if I don't go back to my mission and my mission president finds out, I'm pretty sure he'll be ticked. Sorry. He'll be up. He'll be very upset. <laughs> well, where were you living at the time? I was in North Carolina. So that's where I'm from. Okay. Um, born and raised, but I was at school at BYU, Idaho. And that's where you back. were doing the 10 month stint. Yeah, basically. Okay. So, so it was interesting going back to my mission and getting off the airplane being picked up by the assistants, taken to one of my old areas where I'd been a junior companion and being told I'm the district leader of the... Of right the, off the bat? Right off of the airplane. Wow. That's it was so intense. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it was weird because like usually you have like the MTC and then you can go back into like, you can get into the swing of being a missionary. For me, I got on the airplane in Greensboro, North Carolina, flew to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And they picked me up and were like, all right, this is your new area. These are the people that are in your district. This is what's going on. This is what you've missed out on. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Did you feel like you just picked right up where you left off? <laughs> um, I mean, it, you got to ramp up to it, I would think. It, so the weird part was like being in the airport. And I had been in an airport between in those 10 months, right? It was 11 months. So I was like, oh, what's going on with this newspaper or this magazine? And I was like, wait, 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 I'm set apart. I can't read that thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it was kind of odd. Yeah, that's strange. I've never heard anybody really having something like that. So they just still don't know what ended up happening medically. No, no, they don't. And that was what's really interesting about it is that at the time, my sister had been out on a mission um, and she had appendicitis. So she had her appendix removed because of problems that she was having. My dad at home was going through kidney failure. And it just started uh, renal dialysis, which for the listeners that don't know what that means, like your kidneys aren't working anymore. So you have to be hooked up to a machine a couple of times a week to have your blood cleaned out for you. And so I came home whenever that was going on with my dad and my sister. So I have uh, reason to believe that it wasn't about me at the time. Okay. Wow, though, that's a lot of that's a lot of health issues in one one shot. Yeah. Is it this, was a lot. Is this where you kind of started thinking about nutrition as a career, or when did that come in? Yeah, so I mean, like, I had thought about nutrition in high school, but just from the sense of, like, how do you lose weight, right? And my dad was a bigger guy, and so we did Weight Watchers together when we were in, when I was in high school, because I was like, I'm going to help my dad out, you know? <laughs> um, and and I, was, I was a bigger kid, um, but I wasn't, I was still growing, right? So I mean, it's just... sure going through those stages easier to change um, right and so my interest had been peaked in nutrition at that at that point when i came home and my dad was in dialysis i had no idea what was going on and then i took my first nutrition class at byu idaho and that's where it like really started to click during that 10 months during yeah in, in between okay Wow, so it even kind of impacted your life as far as your career goes and and things like that during that trial that's crazy yeah. And so it's interesting um, because, I mean, it just kept going with my dad where it was a difficult thing for him to be able to manage. And going through and studying nutrition and kind of seeing what is coming down the pipeline is an interesting situation to be in. So you thought that when, was going to happen to you? Um, well, I mean, I do have an increased risk for diabetes because of family history. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it or that I'll get it as soon as other people in my family have. But uh yeah, I do have an increased risk. So you are now interested in, engaged in nutrition by the time you come home and you go back to school, you get your degree, your master's degree. And uh, at some point, I assume you got married because you had kids in the background <laughs> before we started uh, recording. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so uh, I got married um, after I came home, obviously. Um Hey, stuff could happen married. during those 10 months, man. <laughs> during, yeah, I think that was just the olden days, right? They don't allow people <laughs> to do that anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, yeah, I came home, went back to BYU-Idaho, and then transferred to the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. Just felt like that's where I should be, and it was kind of weird leaving BYU-I-Do and not having a ring on my finger. <laughs> um, and so I came back. And was best friends with this girl who I wasn't really interested in. And uh, she wasn't interested in me. And we were like setting each other up with other people. After a year of being best friends, we were like, what are we doing? Why aren't we dating each other? So we started dating. And about six months later, we we're like, well, all right, let's do this thing. Let's get married. Yeah. So I have to ask you, though, because most people only have to reacculturate after their mission once. <laughs> yeah. And you had to kind of do it twice. So, first of all, was the first time harder than the second time, or was because you had the first time, the second time was actually easier? The second time was kind of, it was very much from the point of view, I, I know that I've done what I was supposed to do. 
And so it was easy to step back into it. The first time, um, anybody that's come home from a mission early knows that it's just a very odd situation to be in. I remember having my 21st birthday and thinking, I'm not supposed to be home when this is happening. Um, I remember going, like I couldn't drive because they thought I was epileptic and they didn't know what was going to be happening. So I had to have this girl that was a neighbor of mine pick me up and drive me to FHE with the young single adult activities. And I remember sitting in her blue Volkswagen Beetle and like hugging the door. Like my back was turned to her because I was like, don't, I can't get too close to you because you're a girl. (laughs) You you were released at that point though, right? Oh yeah, I was released. Okay. But it was just kind of like, I didn't know what was going on. It was already a weird situation. And then like being in the car with this girl was just a funny thing. Yeah. So yeah, the, the first time was very difficult because I didn't know why I was home. Yeah. And I like, I knew I needed to be home, but at the same time, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Yeah. But the second time I came home, I, I knew I was supposed to be home. I knew I had done everything that the Lord had asked me to do. And so it was okay. Okay. That's all awesome. And I love to hear your mission stories for sure. Maybe we'll get back to some of your favorite experiences, but I want to make sure that we leave time for your specialty with nutrition. And as you know, and as many know when they're out on a mission, they have very limited budgets. And in some cases, they are at the mercy of local customs and cuisines (laughs) that they may find. Uh, I served in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which helped me develop all sorts of unnatural or unhealthy tastes uh, for for very fried foods and excellent heavy but wonderful foods. And uh, I know that that's still impacts me today. Are you talking about like biscuits? Biscuits What what, what kind of foods are we talking about here? Gumbo, jambalaya, red beans and rice. I still make those once or twice a month. And so there's a fair amount. I, I, I would do other things too, but uh, they they can tend to get even more uh, prohibitive <laughs> in some ways. But these are the things that, that I learned on my mission. And even though I would say that it's not common for missionaries to gain or lose weight in any particular area, it's still very much, of course, up to the individual missionary. Have you seen any patterns from the missionaries that you served around or just when you were on your mission? And uh, have you seen any patterns as far as missionary nutritional behaviors that, that tend to be common? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that, that I can think of that are pretty common. One is, I don't know if it was a joke in your mission, but in my mission, everybody was like, you're going to gain weight. Probably like 15, 20, maybe 50 pounds. Well, we had a lot of guys missionary. asking for a bike area so that they could at least burn off what they ate the night right. before. And so if you're in a mission where you're fed by members and you're not necessarily walking all over the place, then weight gain can happen. It's not the end of the world, um, but it can happen just because of the nature of what's going on. The other thing is that most missionaries are young adults. And because they're young adults, they have a higher metabolism and they're used to working out more. And so they have more muscle mass, so they burn more calories. And so they think they can get away with eating whatever they want and not have to worry about the health aspects of it. Yeah. And so you'll have a bunch of those things where where people are like, well, this is my first time being on my own and I know I like Pop-Tarts and um <laughs> and sugar cereals and those are easy to make i don't have to cook anything it's simple i don't have to clean any pans i just wash the bowl out i rinse it and I, it's good for tomorrow morning exactly um 
And so it's not necessarily the healthiest habits, but a mission is a pretty awesome place to start to develop your own habits, whether that is spiritually in like your scripture studies or even just in the way that you are learning how to set goals and the way that you are learning how to talk with people. There are so many different things that you can learn on your mission, and it's just an awesome place to do that because you can mess up a, a recipe on your mission and like what does it matter? <laughs> you know, like right. nobody's nobody's gonna be like, remember that one time you made this horrible cake and it tasted like garlic? Like <laughs> one person. They live with you and that's the only person that knows about it. Right. Well, see, missionaries have the added challenge, if you will, of not having an incredibly large budget. They right. they tend to only get I don't know about you, but I got about a hundred and ten dollars, I think, a month for the whole sure. month. And yeah. that was for everything, you know. Yeah. So now when you say everything. Let's talk about a budget real quick for a missionary. What does everything include? Because you're not paying utilities, right? You're not paying gas. You're not paying like any rent or anything. So you're just limiting that to what you're going to purchase. Food, laundry, and we had to cover cleaning supplies for our our apartments, including uh, any toiletries um, that we would use. Okay. And if I remember correctly, you know, there was everybody had at the time – we had to buy stamps because we mailed our letters home. I was 97 yeah. to 99. So this was before we had email to handle that. So I had a, a little bit of postage that I had to cover. And I don't try to think if there was anything else right off the top of my head. Nothing else that feels like it was a regular need. Sure. So yeah, the budget can play a role in it. What I would run into a lot as a missionary is that my companions would just like blow it on stuff. <laughs> uh, they, w- they would be at like a $30 haircut. And you're like, well, there, there goes a third of what your budget right. is for the month. Yeah, haircuts. Right? Like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And it's just like, so that's that's an easy way to save yourself $30 is to find a member that can cut hair. Or if you have a companion that can cut hair, like or that's an easy way to do it. Or $12. Right. So, I mean, like there's other ways to go around it. But again, if you're someone that's never been out of your home, like you've never had to pay for those things, then this is all new territory for you. Gotcha. Well, how does that so impact the, food choice, though? So impacting food choice is that if you reduce the amount of money that you have already, then it makes it even harder. And you're like, okay, top ramen, that's cheap. I can do that. Yes. Right? And so you get top ramen and you get eggs. And then you get the white bread that's like 75 cents for a loaf <laughs> because that's what you can eat. It's right? essentially a sponge, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I would tell missionaries is that whenever they go out, especially if they're in an area where they're being fed by members, they don't necessarily need to buy meat because okay. meat can be meat can be really expensive. And if you're just serving yourself breakfast and lunch, then most of the time, whenever you go to a member's house, they're going to be giving you a good amount of meat, whether that's going to be like chicken or they're making lasagna or spaghetti meatballs, any number of things, they're going to be providing meat in that situation. And you can spread your your money out a little bit further if you don't purchase that meat. Okay. The other thing that I would tell them now is that a lot of times people, especially if they're trying to be healthy, they're like, got to buy the organic stuff because organic's better for you. Um, nutritionally, organic is the same as non-organic counterparts. Taste-wise, an organic banana and a regular banana are going to taste the same. So just buy the thing that is not organic because that'll save you some money. Now you're not going to lose like your nutritionist card for saying that, right? Like that that's that's uh... No, cuz that's science. Okay. That's that's the research. Okay. So yeah. you think the organic thing is is hooey. It it is very overblown and 
this will be my personal opinion where I will throw a tie over my shoulder is that, uh, <laughs> is that I feel that there's more damage being done by organic and the perception of organic than there are benefits that come from it. Okay. There's a lot of research on eating fruits and vegetables. There's not a lot of research on the, like whether or not organic is better for you or not. But what happens is people think that organic is better and they think that they can't afford it because money is a little tight. And as a result, they don't eat it. And so as a result, they're not eating any fruits or vegetables because they can't afford the organic fruits and vegetables. Got it. Okay. So you're still in the fruits and vegetables camp very much. And as far as you know, meat goes, I don't know what other people's impressions of their budgets were, but I didn't even think that, I mean, outside of breakfast, I'm not sure when meat would really even come into the diet. We'd have breakfasts and lunches that we would pretty much have to take care of. So right. we always reverted to eggs or cereal for breakfast in some form. Mm-hmm. And then lunches could be probably just another sandwich. I mean, I, I don't know that we got terribly creative. Right. And so this would be where it would come in is that if you have time on your mission to cook something for lunch, you can eat that for your lunch today and your lunch tomorrow. And that would be a consolidated cost for you. Gotcha. So cook something so, and make it last a couple of days. Right. So another thing would be is that if you're going to buy pasta, a lot of times missionaries will buy pasta because it is cheap or they'll buy rice because it's cheap. And that'll be like the main part of what they're eating, which that can be fine, but add some vegetables to it, whether it's like a steamer bag of broccoli or you're going to add like a frozen stir fry mix that you'll throw on there with some soy sauce or whatever it is that you would choose to add some flavoring to it. That adding those vegetables is going to help that missionary to stay full. Um, in my my mission, my mission president got up at a zone conference and mentioned how some missionaries were complaining of constipation. Jeez. <laughs> my, and so, uh, so he was like, "Look, if you would just eat your fruits and vegetables, you'd be fine." You know. So it was just funny to kind of have that <laughs> coming from your mission president. But oh, that man. is one benefit that can come from it, along with other benefits for your heart health, uh, other benefits for feelings of fullness and weight management. So there's a lot of benefits to eating whole foods. So in other words, if you're in an area like in the South, where maybe the nutrition level is, you know, people aren't feeding you salads, then right. it's best to take advantage of the time where you're under more control of your food to do so in a healthy way. Right, because what happens is whenever you go to a member's home, you don't know what they're going to cook for you, right? You might go into someone's home that is a vegan, and so they make you a vegan meal. Cool. That's great. You might go into someone's home that is a carnivore, and so they're giving everyone steak, and then you get a little side of potato, like, and that's it. And so you can only control so much, so what you can control, just be smart about it. Gotcha. I have to tell you a funny story from my mission. This is going to make you cringe. But there was a, a bishop in an area that I served in that was east of New Orleans called Chalmette. And this guy was a police officer, but was retired. And every Friday, we had a standing appointment for lunch at his house. And as you might know, Louisiana is not known for its health food. Sure. And in this particular case, every Friday, he would buy us something called a French fry po' boy or a potato sandwich. Have you heard okay. of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard of these? Well, I know a po' boys. Well, you know po'... po-, po- Po' boys, you can put it, you know, shrimp or different sure. meats in it or something like that. But a potato sandwich is what this place called it. So you're what, getting bread and then potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just bread. It's like a whole loaf of bread. So like uh-huh. unlike a regular po' boy where it's kind of like a six inch or a nine inch, this was a whole loaf of French bread. 
And then, so it was like at least a foot long. It was uh, piled of about three inches of French fries. On top of the French fries was like a beef gravy, a roast beef gravy that was poured over the top. And then there were roast beef chunks that went on top of that. The bread, the top bread was slathered with mayonnaise. And that was the sandwich. Now, solid. Oh my gosh, dude. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, my very first Friday in this area that I ate this sandwich, I couldn't finish maybe four inches of the sandwich. I mean, it was just, it was such a gut bomb. But I was in that area for five months. And by the end of my five months, that Friday, when I would go and get that potato sandwich, I would not only finish the whole sandwich, but I wasn't that full from it. Uh-huh. It's so quick how nutrition can change, especially sure. at that younger age, and how your body adapts to it. But I could tell you that even though I could eat a whole one of those sandwiches, I needed an hour nap afterwards. I mean, it was, right. it was still a gut bomb. It's still horrible for you. So <laughs> right. let's, let's maybe focus on how nutrition can have an impact on what we would call the spiritual side of what we do as missionaries. Like for, for the practical side, I couldn't work for an hour <laughs> after that. Right. I was a sludgy mess. But there's something to the idea that nutrition allows us to be healthy enough to do the work. Right. Yeah. Now, real quick, I guess I have to address this. I'm not against trying new foods. <laughs> and as a missionary... We're going to have a potato sandwich when you and I meet up. <laughs> Perfect. As, as a missionary, like you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be trying new foods, and it's okay. And you don't need to have disordered eating habits as a missionary where you're so focused on the food that it distracts you away from what the work that you're doing, right? Because that time that you were spending with that member was probably more important than those potato sandwiches. Yeah. Right? And so don't restrict yourself and go into someone's home and be like, sorry, I'm on a, a very strict diet unless it's medically necessary, you don't need to go in there and be like, I can't eat this because it's not healthy and it's not going to help me serve the Lord. Right. Um, so be willing to try other foods. You can make educated choices, but at the same time, it is okay to eat food. Yeah, and I could have asked um, for half that sandwich. I really could have. Sure. I just right. I didn't. <laughs> right. Because it was okay, good. So, <laughs> so then the next question was like, how do you? How does your nutrition affect you spiritually in the work that you can do? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned one part is that you have to take a nap after eating that, right? Yeah. Where you're just like exhausted. At the same time, if you are the person, um, I'll share another story. I had a companion who was fasting and the day that he decided to fast, we were on bikes in one of the hilliest areas at our mission. And it was the hottest day of record. (laughs) And so, so he, I looked over at him I was like, Elder, are you doing all right? And he was pale, and he stuck his, stuck his tongue out, and it was completely dry and just chalky. So you know how whenever somebody talks and they're dehydrated, oh, they yeah. have string in between their lips? Like, <laughs> it was his entire mouth. Oh. Okay, He was not an effective missionary that day. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. So not getting enough food can be as much of a problem as getting too much food. Yeah. Right? And you want to have the energy that's going to be sustained, that you're not thinking about food all the time. Because I don't know about you, Nick, but whenever you, you eat like a uh, sugary cereal at like seven o'clock, by the time it's 8.30, you're like, okay, I'm ready for my second breakfast. That's right. Because it doesn't stick around. <laughs> right. So choosing a breakfast, like you were mentioning before, where you're using eggs or toast or whatever it might be, that's going to have some protein and some fiber to it, 
whether you're doing like an omelet or whether you're just doing an egg sandwich on whole grain bread, like that is going to stick around longer than Captain Crunch. Yeah. And so you're not going to be worrying about it during your studies when you're trying to think about the gospel and how you can best serve your your investigators. You can actually focus during that time. Yeah. Now, we've talked offline, and I, I'm a firm believer that part of the essence of the word of wisdom that many associate and call the Lord's Law of Health, that this is about what we eat, what we don't eat, the drugs we don't take, and things like that. But... I have found that when I am making meaningful choices, when I am deliberately trying to make choices that I know are good for my body, that are allowing my body to function optimally, that I have felt a greater connection to the Spirit. I have felt more of a spiritual strength during that time because I think what happens is that it's not, again, it's not like the calorie intake kind of calculator. That's not the word of wisdom per se, but the idea that we're more in tune with this gift that our Heavenly Father has given us. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think that if you can appreciate the food that you're given and where it's coming from and all the work that has to go into it to make that food for you, it's pretty humbling to think about the, the seeds that have to be sown, the environment that they have to be grown in, the fact that someone is dedicating their life to feeding you, and then other people are transporting it for you, and then it's still healthy for you once it gets to the store. Like that's a pretty big deal, and a lot of people don't think about it that way. They're just like, "Oh, please help it to strengthen and nourish my body so that I can be healthy." <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely think that that gratitude and having those whole foods where they come from the earth rather than being an Oreo and it's clouded as to how that thing gets there other than it's just a magical thing in a sleeve, you're like, oh, okay, so I understand that this apple came from a tree. I understand that this lettuce came from the ground. I understand that this banana like was produced and harvested and grown rather than just engineered for me. These are God's creations. Right. And I think that there's something to the idea that one of the most sacred things that we do in this church, the sacrament, has to do with consumption of nutrition in a way i mean it's right it's it's something to be said about the interaction with the spirit and the body and and we can go kind of all gospel nerdy about that for a little bit but let's let's get back maybe a little bit to the practical no, no nick we got to go nerdy <laughs> well I, I i do that so much during the day give me a break um, <laughs> because but if you think about it right water and bread like if you do not have water you die if you don't have bread, you don't have the carbohydrates, which are the main energy source for your brain and your body. And again, your body doesn't function the way that it needs to. So it's interesting that those are the things that we use. And whenever we fast, we still consume those things because that is part of the covenant that we have made. Right. Now, as far as, again, the practical side of missionary work and, and trying to have some good tips, I mean, are there maybe behavior replacements? Are there things that we can say... If you're going to do this, try this instead. Or if you're the type of person that uh, you know does cereal in the morning, try I don't know kashi or <laughs> I don't know. But is is there some is there some hints that we can give to people as far as very practical advice when they're serving a mission and needing to function as a missionary on a missionary budget in many different parts of the world? Now that's that's another challenge that we we yeah. probably don't have a whole lot of time to go into. 
Yeah, because a lot of the things that we've been talking about are serving in the states, yeah. right? Or in, in a developed country where food is available. Yeah. If you're serving somewhere else where fufu is your main starch group, then that's a totally different conversation. Yeah, I had a brother-in-law that served in Peru and they fed him cat. Yeah. How do you prep which, for that? Which is an animal protein, right? Yeah. That's It's the same thing. In other countries, they eat horse, but here you're like, who would eat horse? They're <laughs> yeah. so pretty. <laughs> that's glue. <laughs> that's glue, yeah. So, okay, so a couple things. First, I would say make sure you're aware of what you are drinking. Not not saying like, if a member gives you Maltagolia, don't drink it. I mean, <laughs> if if you're drinking a lot of soda and that is taking up a large amount of your missionary budget, then you can use that money elsewhere for better things for your body. Sure. And along with that, that's a lot of extra sugar that is not necessarily going to help you. So drinking things that are not sugar-laden beverages, whether that's going to be a Bang Energy drink, Monster, 5-Hour Energy, uh, whether it's Coke, Mountain Dew, or whatever it is, like avoiding those things would be an excellent first step. Yeah. Um, And then beyond that, it's going to depend on who the person is because some people just aren't big breakfast people. And other people just love to spend their money and they want to get ice cream because it's a treat and that makes them happy and that's okay. But drinks, making sure that you're getting at least at least three to four fruits and vegetables a day, and, and that's three to four total, right? So an apple would be one, a banana would be one. If you had a salad, that would be two. You know, So I mean, it's, it's not too difficult whenever you're looking at it in that way. But those would be like the first two. And then the other one would just, depending on where you are, hydration can be key. Because if you're in the south or you're in the rainforest, it's going to be very hot. It's going to be very humid. You can get dehydrated and not even know it. Yeah. And so making sure that you're hydrated would be very beneficial. Yeah, I've got another bad example for you, if you don't mind me sharing. <laughs> sure, and then I've got a couple for you. <laughs> I had a, uh, a companion in that same area with the potato sandwiches that uh, we were, it was not the middle of summer, but it was starting to warm up and he would go through probably about 24 cans of Pepsi a week. And, sure. and, uh, I kept telling him, I said, you know, that's, that's really not good for you. And I'm not like a nutritionist either. I, that's just, that's a <laughs> right. lot of soda to pound. And, uh, at one point, you know, I left the area and moved on. And I, as you sometimes do, you stay in touch with those companions and, uh, he informed me, before we both went home, he said, you know, you were right. I should have listened to you. I actually had to go to the hospital because I started to get dehydrated. My kidneys shut down and I was mm. peeing Pepsi because that was <laughs> all he was drinking. And sure. his body wasn't able to process it because of how his body had to shut down when he was dehydrated. And yeah. so, you know, you bring up the soda thing, and but that's a very real thing. You're talking about, again, these young men, young women that are possibly getting their first tastes of freedom and soda sounds fun. Well, it's fun, but at the same time, it might be a piece of home for some of the other missionaries. It's true. 24 cans right? is and, a lot of home though. Um, <laughs> some people get homesick pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but honestly, like it's, it's a big one that most people know about, but they don't really think about it. And so they just keep doing it. They're like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, I, I don't eat terrible all the time, so this is my bad thing. This right. is my vice, right? So, But the funny story that I have for you is that as a missionary during the holidays, I had uh, this one area where everybody in the ward, not everybody, but basically like four or five families decided to give us full-size Sam's Club pumpkin pies. Jeez. And my companion didn't like pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not right in the head. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. So like for the the entire week, it was just like, okay, pumpkin pie. That's what we have to eat. Well, you could always Done. do the count the ingredients. Well, there's eggs. Eggs are <laughs> right, good. You could do sure. <laughs> pumpkin is good. Pumpkin. Pumpkins a veg a fruit, you know, so we're good. There you go. So can I give a word of caution? Sure. I don't know if you had this in your mission, but in my mission we had the stop smoking workshop. Yes. Okay. What do you recall about the stop smoking workshop? I remember there being a protocol where you had to drink grapefruit juice after your meal and then uh -huh. brush your teeth after that meal. Uh-huh. Which even if you're not smoking, that's disgusting. <laughs> Correct. And and I'm trying to remember if there was something else about pounding some vitamin C or something. Yep, that is correct. Okay, so like ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. So I remember doing this on my mission, and there was one lady that we were visiting with, and we were teaching it to her, and we had a member that was with us, and we went through the whole thing, and she's like, well, are there any other like side effects? Are there any problems that could come with consuming all these things? <laughs> and the member, the member said... Well, you know, if you take in too much vitamin C, then you just can give yourself diarrhea. Which, which is true, right? Which is true, right? And they call it the vitamin C flush, all right? <laughs> and uh, and so she looked at us and was like, oh, okay, I could use a little of that. Oh, I was geez. like, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, but that's not even the hesitancy that I have. So the grapefruit juice. So grapefruit can interact with medications. Oh. So it can interact by either making it more powerful or less powerful. So if someone is on a heart medication or they're on an antidepressant or they're on any number of medications and they're drinking a lot of grapefruit juice, then that could cause problems. It so intensifies it? It can, depending on the medication. It can make okay. it worse or make it not as strong, right? So think about it, somebody that's on an, an antidepressant and they're drinking all this grapefruit juice and they're supposed to be feeling better because they're learning about the gospel and they're quitting smoking – but it, things are just getting worse and worse. Yeah. And so my hesitancy with that is just don't do that, please, because you're not a medical professional and that can be dangerous for certain people. Yeah, so, so just kind of be aware that that is one thing. The other one is I don't know if you've heard about how they found the stomachs of all the people that were on a, the Titanic. No, I haven't they heard about this. <laughs> okay, so this is another rumor that was going around that I've heard different members talk about. Okay. Is that they've uh, they found some of the they were searching, they found the Titanic, they went down and they found like all these little leather purses and they couldn't figure out what they were. And then they realized that they were just stomachs, but these people had drank so much tea that their stomachs turned into leather. What? Okay. And they'll use that as a justification for following the word of wisdom. So don't do that. That's not true. And that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, because like the tannin in it? Or yeah. Something? So that they were saying that the tannins are what was doing that. That's not the same thing. And, that, and it wouldn't function that way. I would think that medically, that the fact that there would be a bunch of just stomachs floating near the wreckage would just be <laughs> right. a really unlikely scenario. But you hear all kinds of like funny things where you're like, oh, that's perfect. It proves the point. And you're like, but it's not true, right? So just well, that make speaks sure to that a larger issue of of trying to teach the word of wisdom with scientific proof. I am yes. personally against doing that because right. the word of wisdom isn't what it, I mean, that was given in our day. 
That was not the exact same thing that they had in the Old Testament or in the New Testament for that matter. And Correct. so what we what we have is the word of wisdom and its principles are based on a sign between us and God. And as right. far as, you know, whether or not there's anything good or bad in it, I don't want to say a secondary because obviously if it comes from God, it's going to be for our good, but right. we don't necessarily need to prove the word of wisdom by science. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody about this the other day actually that a lot of times people will use science to prove their faith. They're like, well, see, coffee's bad for you. See, you shouldn't consume alcohol because there's no safe level of alcohol to consume. But the reality is that there are a lot of health benefits to consuming green tea. And there can be some health benefits to consuming red wine. And there could be some health benefits to consuming coffee. But you can get those health benefits from other places if you choose not to drink those things. And you can maybe even get those health benefits better. Right. And so the reality is, is it's not that the science says that they're all wrong, like we have found out with, with tobacco, right? We get that. Yes, understood. But people will try and say that, like, well, the science says this, this, and this. And like you said, the bottom line is the Lord has asked us to do it. We've made a covenant that we will follow that, and that's okay. Right. And, and I get it. I think we've all done that to a certain extent, right? We, sure. We've all, when you're 18 or 19 and you're out there serving a mission, you really want people to believe the church. You want them to follow the gospel and, and get baptized and make and keep covenants. So sometimes we often try and prove it. And, right. And in the word of wisdom situation, that's, an, that's a special one, simply because, again, it bucks a lot of the trends of the day. It really does. And especially if you're like living in, well, I don't even know. Every culture has some type of coffee or some type of tea yeah. that is like their traditional thing. And if you go in and tell them, no, you're not supposed to have that, but you don't have any reason other than the Lord has asked us not to, that's kind of a hard sell. Well, and we talked about this offline, but my personal belief, and this is just, just my personal belief, is that, <laughs> that red wine, as you said, actually does have some health benefits, but it's against the word of wisdom. Soda has no nutritional benefits, none that I know of. In <laughs> uh-huh. fact, it, it's actually got a negative, a net negative on your body when you drink it. So if you're arguing that the word of wisdom is about taking in what is healthy for us, red wine is more in line with the word of wisdom than soda, if you make that right. argument, if that's your basis. And yeah. th- now, I'm not saying that that's the way to argue it, but... You have to remember that if you're, again, you have to take your arguments that you think are for the word of wisdom and apply them in other ways to see if the logic stays true. And it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And it's, and it's the same thing with a lot of foods that are coming up. We live in a time where there's a new food that's coming out every day. Yeah. Right. There's, there's, now there's pumpkin spice, which took over the world. Oh, geez. Then you have, you have croissant donuts or cronuts, yeah. right? And then you have people that are mixing cheesecakes into milkshakes. And so there's all kinds of things where people are looking at it and they're like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. It's not against the word of wisdom. It doesn't say I shouldn't have this type of milkshake. It doesn't say that I shouldn't drink these energy drinks. It just says don't do these things. right? Right. But if you're looking at it from the overarching principle of what it is, it's there for you to be healthy. And it's for you to take care of your body. And the Lord doesn't want a slothful servant where he has to command in all things saying, okay, these are the list of non-approved items. These are the list of things that you can consume because he wants someone that is 
able to make conscious decisions for themselves. Yeah. And I think that, again, part of this is he wants us to be spiritually in control. Right. And when we subject our bodies to things that aren't healthy, we are also submitting ourselves to the effects of that thing that we're eating. And again, we are taught to act and not be acted upon. And if we eat the wrong foods, we are acted upon by the foods that we eat. And yeah. so this is part of that, that choice. And I want to give a plug for your podcast because you go into these issues quite a bit more on your podcast that is now entitled The Latter-day Saint Nutritionist Podcast and uh, can be found in iTunes and, and all the various podcasting platforms. When did, you, when did you get the idea to start doing a podcast? So I thought about it, let's see, probably in April of 2018, so this year. And just kind of didn't know how to host a podcast, didn't know anything about it, but really felt good about it. Because the whole point of the podcast is to mix food and faith, and in a broader term, to, to understand how our beliefs and our culture can impact what it is that we eat. Yeah. Um, because we do have a culture. As missionaries, like you said, you go out, you're young adults, you're out there just eating whatever – and you're discovering new foods from all over the world, depending on where you're serving, that you may have not been introduced to before, right? And so that can establish a culture where it ingrains you into what your mom and dad taught you, or it makes you a little bit more adventurous in what you're going to eat. Um, but then at the same time, if you grow up in a big family and there's not a lot of food around, then that can influence what you eat. Sure. And so it approaches it from the cultural and the faith side, where it also pulls in like doctrinal principles to say, if you apply this to nutrition, then it makes things look a lot easier. Yeah. When you view, view health from an internal principle, like an eternal perspective of this is my body that God has given me, like then I can take care of this a little bit better. Regardless of what my size is, I can do healthy things with it. Yeah. Well, I love talking with you, and this has been awesome, and I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. We'll certainly put a link to your podcast in the show notes for this episode at ldsmissioncast.com. But uh, thank you for, for giving these hints and helps on missionary nutrition. Any, any last-minute uh, pieces of advice for missionaries and, and their nutrition? I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, because my mom, in every single area that I served in, wanted to buy me a crock pot. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I never knew how to use a crock pot as a missionary, but it can be a useful tool to be able to just throw things in there. And whenever you come back for lunch, it's already ready for you. Yeah. So if you are in an area and you know how to use a crock pot, that could be a useful tool. If you want to get um, recipes from your parents before you leave, that might be an excellent choice. Do you have a website with some healthy recipes or anything like that? I don't have a website with healthy recipes right now, but I've been playing with the idea of, of putting one together specifically for missionaries. Oh, awesome. Well, let us know when yeah. that happens. But what's your what's your uh, website that you want to point people to anyway? So my website right now is cordellnutrition.com, um, which I can send you a link to that. And then I'm on social media as the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, both on Instagram and, and Facebook. Yeah, and you, you're you a public speaker on this. You're, you're very comfortable speaking in front of audiences about this subject. Yeah. No, I that I love doing it because that's that's where you get the engagement and, and true understanding. One of the things I, I love about my podcast is there's so many people that I can reach. Um, one of the hard parts is that it's it's not as responsive as whenever I teach as a professor or sure. I do public speaking. 
Um, but yeah, no, I love talking about it just in groups or with individuals. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and we'll, uh, again, direct people to take a look at those links that we'll have on the posting for this at LDSmissioncast.com. Thanks again for coming on all the way from Florida. It's past your bedtime now, right? <laughs> yeah. I got to hit the hay right now. <laughs> it, uh, I'm not a pumpkin, right? So it, I, I don't have to follow those missionary <laughs> rules, so we're, but we're good. That's good. <laughs> thanks, right. Nick. Thanks. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. Please check out Zach Cordell online and on social media. Also, don't forget to check out Zach's book, The Creation Code, God's Blueprint for Creating the Future You Want, available on Amazon. We have links to that for the posting of this episode at LDSMissionCast.com. Stay tuned for next week. We have a very special episode with noted speaker and scholar Brad Wilcox. He has a new book out with Deseret Book on how to get more out of the holiday season, but he's also a past mission president. So he's going to give us some wonderful Christmas stories from his time as a missionary as well as a mission president. You're not going to want to miss that. So please stay tuned for that. We'll talk to you soon on the next edition of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. <laughs>